humility. Amen. The word humility, as in the um, defined by Webster's, means to be meek, means to be lowly, meaning a low mindset, not to think too highly of yourself. And the best description of it for the Christian walk is to be submissive, to understand what the word submissive means. You have to understand that you would have to be able to respect authority. You have to be able to listen to authority to understand the word submissive. Amen. Proverbs 22 verse 4 is our first scripture that we're going to be analyzing today. And I'm looking at just a bunch of scripture with the word humility in it. And it says in verse 4, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. So one thing I always tell you sometimes to read the scripture backwards. So to have a long life, honor, and to be wealthy, just fear the Lord and be humble. Because humility is the, is the action verb of humble. Humble is the same thing as humility, but humility is just what it, humbleness looks like in action. Does that make sense to you? This is my car. This is my car driving. This is my car in drive mode. You get what I'm saying? Same thing, just in action. So if humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor in life, we would want to be, who wants to be wealthy in life? I don't know about you. Who wants to break the poverty cycle in your life? I don't know about you. Who wants to not have to worry about finances and not come to church and distress your mind out about money? And who, who wants to be able to come on a Sunday morning and put $1,000 in the offering and it not affect you? Amen, you know? Amen. I mean, that would be $5,000. Lead by example, Carmen, I'm just saying. <laughs> but that would be phenomenal, would it, would it not be? And, and it says to get those things, you have to, be, have, to have humility to be. So it says to, um, let's just put it like this, meekness and the fear of the Lord bring health, honor, and life. Submissiveness and the fear of the Lord bring health, uh, bring wealth, honor, and life. And, and lowliness of mind bring, and fear the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. I think that being humble and being submissive is something that we should, we should really, really want to grasp in our life. How many of you, by a show of hands, please be really honest um, if you're listening, have a problem with uh, respecting authority, not just in your life, but just like maybe even in church. I got a couple of hands already going up. And just you have a problem with being corrected sometimes. And, and to submit to somebody sometimes is a problem. That's you. Raise your hand. Sometimes. Sometimes. You know what sometimes it's called? Sin. I sometimes sin. It's sin is sin. So sometimes we all have it. At some point, we've all had an issue with being corrected or being, you know, with authority figure. How many of you like getting pulled over by the cops? <laughs> you raised your hand. Now, how many of you turn into big people once the windows rolled back up? What do I mean by that? You start, I don't know who he thought he was, and I wish I would because I would have done this and I would have done that. And, and you talk about all the things you could have, would have done, but in reality, you were just not being submissive to the law, whether they were wrong or right. We're doing a study with the men called Undercover, and it's talking about how to be under the covering of somebody even when that person's wrong, how to follow your leader even when they're wrong. It's crazy. The study is amazing. It's an amazing study. And, and being submissive is something that some of the church lacks. A lot of Christians don't, ha- don't have that submissive spirit where somebody can tell you something to do something, and at the drop of a hat, you'll do it. It's questioning, well, why should I? Well, don't you understand I'm busy? Or I have something better to do. Or I got somewhere to go. Sound familiar? They're quiet on me tonight, Carmen. Lord have mercy. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, Proverbs 11.2, then comes disgrace. That's where we get the famous saying, um, pride comes before the fall. Very good, Carmen. But with humility, meaning submissiveness, meekness, meekness meaning you're just humble, just pious, you're you're not thinking that you're better than anybody, that you have a right or you have some sense of entitlement to something. It brings, and it comes, with humility comes wisdom. So, in other words, some of us stay spiritually dumb because we never submit ourselves to true authority in our lives. Does that make sense? You can never really learn when you're always questioning the person who, I'm all set, you're always questioning the person who is, who is giving you the direction. That makes sense? At your job, you're never going to progress if you never listen to your boss. The moment you listen to your boss and start doing what he says, they call you a brown noser. 
When you get your promotion, you're a double brown noser. You sucked up to the boss. If you're a girl, you just might have slept with the boss. Isn't that, you're a girl? What? what, 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 what? Who said that? I don't know who said that there. <laughs> Anyone, Polly said something? <laughs> it was Polly's voice. I couldn't tell if it was Paul or Mike. <laughs> but the moment you get, a, you get a promotion at work, ladies, sometimes they can accuse you of stuff and this and that. And you get all these types of different accusations, but submissiveness comes wisdom. And to have wisdom means to have wisdom of anything, everything you're doing. Wisdom in its general sense means to have a knowledge of life that others don't obtain. To have wisdom means that you have life experience or something that gives you an ability to give somebody advice. Does that make sense? Am I making sense with you tonight? I know it's hot. That's so why I'm going to make this sort, sort. Short and sweet. Amen. Proverbs 15:33. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Wow. You got that up there for me, Manny? The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Erica, what does that mean? The whole thing, not just the last part. Why are you learning? But why are you learning if you fear God? What does that mean? What kind of fear? Respecting God, okay. So when you respect somebody, you're able to listen to them and to learn from them, which gives you wisdom. So then what does it say? So, which one comes first, wisdom or humility? Somebody help me out here. Why does humility come first, Yvette? What comes first, fear of God or humility? What comes first? Tell me. You can't fear him if you don't humble yourself to him. You can't respect God if you don't tell him that I need you in my life. You can't accept direction in your life until you realize that you have no, no GPS. Other day, I got, I got, I got lost. I, I, at night, I drive around listening to CDs. Uh, that's how I feed my spirit. And, and uh, last night, I was driving around, and um, I, got, I got lost. <laughs> I hardly ever get lost. It's happened twice. The first time I used my GPS, and the second time I saw a cop. Truth was, I was just three, three streets from where I wanted to be. Two turns that I would have never made because they looked treacherous. Yeah, it was like the, the two weirdest turns that I just, my mind wouldn't have let me make. But I made those turns and bam, there was 95. I was three exits away from my house. How I got to Westport, I don't know. One day after church, I was driving and um, I took a wrong turn. And Judy and Erica were waiting for me at uh, the house to have dinner. And um, they thought I blew them off. But no, I ended up in Bethel. Don't know how. <laughs> but next thing I know, it says, welcome to Bethel. And I was like, oh, I thought this was going to take me to Black Rock Turnpike. I took the wrong turn. <laughs> and I had to go to the left instead. Of, I had to go right instead of the left. And I said, yeah, I'll get back down to Black Rock Turnpike. Or this is Black Rock Turnpike. But you want Fairfield, which is 17 miles that way. I was like, oh, great. So back to my point, unless you understand you need God, you would never humble yourself to fear God, to be able to have wisdom from God, because you're letting God teach or direct your life. Does that make perfect sense to you guys? I don't want to leave here tonight not making sense to you. You with me, guys? How about you, Carla? You with me? Got the big Maria earrings today. <coughs> so back to Proverbs eighteen twelve. Before his downfall, man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. What does honor mean? Yes. What are some ways you could be recognized? Somebody help me here. Come on, come on. Getting awards. That's not what we're looking for today. Where are we at? Where? 
That's what we call the church. It's really the church building because the church is right here, but this is for all intents and purposes of the church. This is the sanctuary of God, correct? So in order, what it's really saying, it says here, before, um, um, before his downfall, man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. So what it's really telling me is this, is that in order to be honored, that I need to be humble, which means humble means to be submissive, which the word submissive in, in Hebraic means to let God teach you, guide you, and walk you through life, which means that's how I'll fear God and gain wisdom. Does that make sense so far? And then I will get honor. So back to honor. What does honor mean in a church setting? Reuben? Lauren? Excuse me? Acknowledgement in what way, form, or fashion? Praise and worship, it's an on, absolutely working towards the goal or le- of leadership. It's amazing. You guys amaze me. I was in my office a little while ago um, just putting some final notes together, and I heard you guys all talking, but when it comes to talking, you guys are quiet. It's weird. Weird. It's just the weirdest thing. Yeah. Married to the church. I'm kidding. That's me. What you have to understand is how many of you want to be used by God? Raise your hand. That's you. Do you not understand that if you want God to use you, it's going to take this thing called time? We all say, I want God to use me. God, use me. Please, I want to use me. I want to be used by God. I want to do this. But I don't have the time. And when we, God gives you the opportunity, you say, oh, I don't care. I'm too busy. I don't have the time. I've been so tied up. I can't. I'm too busy. I don't have the time. Quiet again on me. Uncle, they're quiet on me. You guys get what I'm saying? To whom much is given, much is required. It's not talking about giving you wealth. It's not a connotation in the scripture towards he's going to give you a car, which means you have to detail it every day. Or you gotta, he's going to give you a house that you got to power wash. No, he's saying when I give you part of ministry, when I give you direction on what to do, how to save lives and save souls, it's going to require a large portion of your time or at least a good amount that you might have to sacrifice something. What did David say when he bought the land that when they wanted to build a temple? What did he say? The guy says, you're the king. I give it to you for free. He says, I can't give God nothing that don't cost me something. We cannot expect to give God something that don't cost you nothing because then it's not a sacrifice. God don't want rams, bulls, and goats, but he does want you to sacrifice things. So in order to get honor, you have to be humble and submissive to be able to fear God and to have wisdom, which means that you'll be smart enough to know that God wants to use you, and that will take up some of your time. So don't ask God to use you and then not have no time for God. I was talking to, the, well, I was talking to Erica and, and Carlos, and matter of fact, it was the whole um, singles ministry. We had one, one of our meetings, and they're all having these great ideas about um, how to go outreach and what we're going to do. And they had some phenomenal ideas that we're going to be putting to implement. And then I said to them, you know, it's great to have these ideas, but the, the real truth of the matter is that about 70% of them aren't going to show up when it's time to go put these into action. Because we don't have time for God. Because with the, the idea aspect of it is great, but I always tell you, when reality hits, that's when we, we shy away from God. But to be humble is to be submissive to God, to be able to take direction, take authority, and, and not, you know, just say, you know, I will give an hour of my time to God. I will give God, you know, 30 extra minutes of my days. It's not a huge sacrifice. I'll miss my favorite show. I'll wake up a little earlier and, and do some other things that I have to do. Amen? If you truly desire to be used by God, um, just prepare to take a marker or just block off some of your life. He's going to require some of your time. If I had known how much it would require for me to be a pastor, I probably wouldn't have said yeah in that little meeting with Pastor Philip, to be honest. This takes a lot. It drains the crap out of you. It just drains you to be in the ministry. I, I know sometimes Diana gets drained or Lori and the real people who are super active in it. You get drained. People don't understand why after I preach sometimes I just fall asleep. I'll be in my... I'll, be, I'll sit on my couch and I'll just knock out because you're literally, literally pouring out from your spirit. You're pouring out from your strength. Every Sunday, people come in down and out. So it's up to me to convey enough energy in my preaching to go into them, basically, to energize them for the week. And then come Monday, I'm just like washed out and everybody's calling me with their problems. I'm like, leave me alone. I woke up yesterday with like 30-something messages, no, 27 messages. 
people and their issues and their concerns. I don't mind. I love doing it. I love my job. I lo- thank you so much. I love being a pastor, but you have to realize that I'm prepared that this is taking a portion of my time. Amen? Why? Because I have to stay humble towards God. No matter how big the ministry might get, my goal is always to be humble towards God, to be submissive towards God, to be submissive to Bishop Thompson or, or submissive to Pastor Philip and the people that are over me. I'm not just out here freelancing it by God, but good, no, no. I have people who guide me and direct me, and although none of them are really telling me what to do, if I do something wrong, I'm accountable to somebody. Does that make sense? I gave you 1533, correct? Acts 20, verse 19. The apostle Paul writes, um, I serve the Lord with great humility. I'll put it like this. I serve the Lord with great submissiveness, as we found that word is defined as submissiveness, and with tears. Wow. So sometimes to submit to somebody is going to cost you some tears. Does that make sense? Sometimes you have to just suck it up. Sometimes when people hurt you and they offend you and people do that all to me all the time, I got to suck it up. And I might call Lori and I'll vent or I'll call Deanna or I'll call somebody or maybe one of my pastor friends. And I'd be like, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. But I got to suck it up with people. Being humble, being submissive is going to cost you sometimes. And although he says, I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know what that tells me? He was tested by his own people. It wasn't by somebody else. It wasn't by somebody who didn't know him. It was his own people. By the Jews, he means the Pharisees that he used to be with, the people who taught him, and all those different types. The people who were closest to him, they severely tested him. I like the way Pastor Chris Edwards said it. Before Paul was um, Paul, he was Saul, which was like a, a serial killer he was. Went around just like getting people killed by the thousands. He persecuted the church. That's what he did. The very people now who helped him persecute people now are persecuting him. And he says, although I was severely, I was severely tested. He's giving you the key to how to withstand a severe test. How many of you ever feel tested in your life? Stay submissive to God. Because if you're staying submissive to God, it means you're staying in God's will. And once you're staying in God's will, you know that you ain't going to take a step outside of God's will. So no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. To remain meek, to remain low of mind, meaning that you're not thinking so highly of yourself. Amen? James 3, verse 13 to 16 says this. While who is wise and understanding among you? Very rhetorical question he asked there. Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in, somebody say humility. He says, in the humility that comes from wisdom. Humility that comes from wisdom. Does that make sense, guys? We went over that already. I'm going to keep going. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quote unquote, as he puts it, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. There's one word that you take out of this entire sentence that makes all these other things happen. See, he says, but if you harbor bitterness, envy, ambition, or bad ambition, boastful, all this stuff, he talks about how all these different types of evil practices would be in your life if you lack one thing. One thing. Everybody know what that is? Humility. If you lack being submissive to God, you have no cure if you sin or not. If you lack being submissive to God, you don't care if you're gossiping or not, if you're envious or not, if you're boasting or just being a proud person or not, if you're seeking honor when you don't deserve honor, if you're looking for everybody to say, oh, great job to you, hats off to you, instead of just doing it for the kingdom of God. If you're doing all these things, um, you have to understand or to have, I love this one, selfish ambition in your heart. Can anybody be honest and say, yes, I've had selfish ambitions in my life? That I did something just so it could benefit me and I didn't care who or what or when or how or if anybody got offended by it because that's what I needed and I fulfilled my pleasures. That's a selfish ambition. Amen? Why were you on that path? Because you had no humility. What's the definition of humility again? Somebody talk to me. Submissiveness, meekness, and lowness of mind. 
I'm going to stick with submissiveness because that means to put yourself under the submission or the rulership or the leadership or guidance of somebody or some type of authority. If you find yourself sinning, you're just being unsubmissive to God, right? Which means you have no humility towards God. This is the easy formula. We should not overcomplicate things. To overcomplicate it means just to to over-spiritualize it. (coughs) Every sin in the church is a demon. No, it's not. Every bad kid has a devil in him. No, they don't. There's just been a bad formula in their life. (coughs) You following me? How many of you have been sinful people? We all have. Do you have a demon spirit in you? No. You were just unsubmissive to God. Are there instances where, yes, you might get possessed by a demon? Yes, I've seen it. I've seen people who were possessed, good God. But I know one thing, that, that not every sin is a demon. Every time we see a black cat, that's oh, the devil. No, it's a black cat. You know, it's just don't walk under the ladder. Why not? You broke a mirror, oh, my God, so what? And we intermingle superstitiousness with the church. We intermingle our, our earthly fears and our are dramatic things and everything is the devil. That music is the devil. I just feel the devil in that music. The only way, and I'll tell you this, the only way music is of the devil is this one thing. Is that if the lyrics in it do not glorify God, then it's music that is of the devil. If the lyrics give honor to God, and I'm sorry to break it to you, and I found this revelation out through a preaching, and it was one of the most phenomenal preachings, and whether it's Christian hip-hop whether it's Christian R&B, whether it's Christian heavy metal, whatever, music is music, and God designed all music, not just some of it, because the devil has no creative authority. The devil can only replicate what God made him to do, which was make music. You following me? So you have to understand, now that we listen to Hill songs 10 years ago, 50, maybe 20 years ago in our church, that wouldn't have been allowed, because that was the music of the world to have an electric guitarist in the church. What do you mean? You have distortion and it's something, like, and you can't have that sound in the church. Think about it. A couple of years ago, that was blasphemous. But what the church has done is we've over-spiritualized things. And, I, and God has, has been talking to me about the generational gap, in a sense, where now we have a gap in generations because the young people are pulling away towards what the new things that God is doing. God is always, yes, he, his essence remains constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can't apply that to every aspect of it. The way he deals with people is not going to be the same. Because I'm not sacrificing no lambs, goats, and bulls, Carmen. I'm not out there at the holy temple on the, uh, over there fighting for, the, for, for, for you know, Dome with a Rock to try and build another temple there. God, the way he deals with people is differently. So we must even as a church every day learn to accept the newest, newness of God and the new things he's doing. Does that make sense to you? There are some people who think having color lights on your altar is of the devil. That's the things of the world. Those are the same ones who will tell you what you can and cannot wear because your clothing is of the world. But we have to be a Bible-based church, and the Bible doesn't tell me I can't have color lights on the altar. I know one church that specifically told me that having a projector was not of God. I don't make this stuff up. This is why I love being a pastor. The stuff you hear, (laughs) I didn't even want to know. It's just, you know, we should hold the word in our hearts. We should hold the songs in your minds and spirits. And, and we have to break away. And we're not to break away from all tradition, but we're to, we're to envelop everything that God is trying to give us. You know, you're with me? The internet when it first came out was very sketchy. But the internet is a tool to be used by the church to reach millions for God. We have a couple people, about four or five people in our church who are here because of our website. Got one, amen. We have people who are here because we have given out CDs, because we have technology to record them. How come some technology is good and some is bad? Having a lighting system is no good, but having a CD recorder is fine. Having electricity is good, but you know, Having this is not good, and having that is good, and having this new song from this group is good, but because this group plays with too much electric guitars, we feel, we feel something, we feel a diabolic spirit within this thing. Listen, if the lyrics are giving praise to God, the devil can't dwell in God's praises. 
you have to realize that we have over-spiritualized everything. You hearing me? When the, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm moving on. <laughs> I can go on for, that for days. And, and God was speaking to me just this past uh, Tuesday that there is literally a generational gap occurring in the church where, where some churches are just going to die out because they're not reaching out to, with the new stuff to the young people. And other churches who have a gener- generational view of a platform, meaning to reproduce every generation, to have every generation be prepared. We're, we're trying to prepare our kids, our teens, our young adults, and our old Christians. We can sit them all in one preaching and they'll all get fed spiritually. Whereas if you go to some churches and I'll sit there and, and, and I'll be, as a young Christian, I can't get fed by what they're preaching because it doesn't make no sense or it's not applicable to my life. It's only, a, you know, it's only good for the very, very old people. Um, there, was a, there was a church that, that, um, that uh, Gilbert, the church he used to attend, he was telling me how it was founded by someone who founded a drug rehab program. And there's only, only so many preachings he could listen to about drug rehabs. So he said, I couldn't be in that church because it stopped being able to feed me because it didn't grow with me. You get that? So many Christians are outgrowing their church because they're teaching the same thing repetitiously. So you being 23, about to be 24 tomorrow, happy birthday to her birthday's tomorrow. So you being 23, you being 24, times 2 plus 7. I'm just kidding. She's going to add that up. <laughs> That's 52, right? 51, right? <laughs> times 2 plus 7, right? So you're 55. So, so what I'm saying is this. If they were both in my service and I preached one message, one might get fed, the other might not. And that's the problem we're facing, that leadership in churches across the country are not equipped to reach both genres. But I believe that even in our church, God is doing something so different that that I can preach something that somebody for the first time in church can get really on fire for God. And the person sitting next to them who's been in church 30 years can be like, wow. And the person sitting next to them who's a young teenager, been in church 13 years of their life, but never really paid attention to God, but is saying, wow, too, because we can reach and bridge a generational gap. Why? Because we're not afraid to introduce new things and to bring things in. Why? Because wisdom and humility and fear the Lord. Because I know that what we're doing in this church is of God. Because we've remained in God's will. We're submissive to God. We're letting God speak to us. We're letting God work through us. We're keeping God as a center. We're fearing God. And now that gives us wisdom on how to operate our church. And now that it's growing, some of us are of the devil. Somebody say the devil. So when you don't have humility or submissiveness, you will deal with selfish ambitions in your heart. When you cannot be humble, when, when you can, God bless you, when you cannot be humble, it says right there, humility stops you from having all these different selfish ambitions where nobody else matters but you, nothing else matters but you, and you are number one. Envy comes from not having humility. Um, harbor, it says harboring bitter envy. That's not just regular envy. That's the envy is where you can't stand somebody. Where if they got killed, you wouldn't even like bat an eye. That's what it's talking about. It builds up to those big things. Why? Because you're not submissive to God. Somebody say submissive. So the question becomes, how should you be? In order to be humble, how, what, what does that really mean? How should I act if I'm humble? Anybody know? Ricky, if you're supposed to be humble, then what does that really mean biblically how you should act? Mm-hmm. Neutral, <clears throat> Carmen, obedient, that's part of it. How obedient? To the end. What does humble mean? Uncle Robert, help me. What does to be humble mean? <clears throat> 
That's really good. Anybody else want to help me out here? Elias? You know I was going to come for you sometime. Humble, what does it mean? You're next. Poncho. How long have you been in church? 21 years. How old are you? So your whole life. You could have just said my whole life. You guys are telling me what it means, but I'm asking you, how do you live it? You talk to me about how you live it. That's good. Put others above yourself. Who here is long-suffering? Raise your hand. Daniel, yeah, uh, yes, you are. Carmen? I thought you were going to say you were long-suffering because your chocolate like, used to come out when we were whew, fast when we were kids. <laughs> Learn how to keep your mouth shut? That's a big one. Learn how to keep your mouth shut. How many is that hard for you guys? You can put your hands up, your feet, all ten toes. I mean, nine of you for some. But my question is, how many of you are gentle, as Deanna said? How many of you are selfless? You know what selfless means? When you put the needs of others before you. Man, who's selfless here? You in the back. You selfless? She's selfish. Listen, at least, listen, at least you can be honest. This is about being honest. I'm transparent with you guys. You ask me anything, I'll tell you. I'll tell you whatever you need to know. Adelina, are you selfless? For the most part, yeah? I believe you. You're funny. <laughs> Are you selfless? The majority of the time? So I have a question for you. If you are saved the majority of the time, are you really saved? Irma? Are you selfless? No? She just took the easy way out. No. <laughs> Don't question me further. I plead the fifth. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <clears throat> so you're meaning we're selfless when it's convenient for us to get face value for the church or for whoever else to say, I was there, you can't say anything about me. Hmm. So, back to my original question. If you were to look for a blueprint, how to live your life humble, what would you look at? The Word of God, that's so, that's so broad, it doesn't even count. I was waiting for somebody. How about that guy, Jesus? How many of you know that he had a first name? Did I tell you guys? Did I tell you guys? Who here does not know Jesus' first name? Raise your hand. I heard that Jesus had a first name, and I was laughing. It was the funniest thing in the world, and I was driving, and I, Yvonne, did I tell you this one? I almost passed out. I la- There's two things I laughed so hard in my, in my life about. That was one of them. The other one was something my brother did, and, and I... And I laughed so hard while I was driving. My brother, I was in the back seat, and he did his funny thing. But this one, I was driving, and I almost killed myself. I had such a headache, and it was the stupidest thing in the world. And a minister comes to me and says, Pastor Burgos, this is a black guy. Don't you know Jesus had a first name? I'm like, yo, what are you talking about? Jesus did not have a first name. Yeah, he did. It's in, the, it's, it's in the Bible. Where? And it's in the song. We sing it all the time. I was like, what's Jesus' first name? He goes, Andy. I said, I said, I said, minister, you're trying to tell me Jesus' first name was Andy? He goes, yeah, I can prove it. I'm like, yo, were you in the car with me? I was like, prove it. And we're driving up to Bishop Wilkinson's to go do our worship set. And I'm in the front driving the whole brigade up to where we're going to go. 
And he goes, <laughs> I said, prove it. And he begins to sing a song. And it's the stupidest thing in the world. But I laugh so hard. If you don't like it, I don't really care. But he goes, Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. Andy, you don't get it, Yvette, do you? And he, Andy. And I, I, I then had him call everybody I knew and sing that song to them. I had him call Lori. <laughs> I had him call a couple pastors. And we're just sitting there cracking up and everything. And um, Yeah, we got to follow Andy. I'm just kidding. We got to follow Jesus' example of it's the blueprint for our lives. <laughs> I said grace to Andy the other day, and somebody looked at me like I was crazy. But um, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11, is some of the most prolific scriptures that you will find. And I'm um, not that any scripture is greater than the other, but this is some of your pastor's favorites. Amen? Uh, it says this. And how many of you know that um, when you read the Bible, you have to read it with the author's passion? I was, I, w- I was just in English this past semester. And, and the teacher walked up to me and said, well, Mr. Burgos, uh, no, she called me Reverend, Alan. she calls me Reverend. Well, Reverend, did you like that story last night I had you read? And I said, no, it sucked. And uh, I said, but I'm sure when you explain it, you'll bring it to life. So I'm not worried about it. Because when I read the stories, they just were horrible. But when she explained it, she made it sound so, so much grandeur and, and all these different things. She would talk about it, and it was excellent to me. So when you read the Bible, read it with passion. You don't want to read it, if any have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and if any comfort in his love, and read it with a, with, a, with a passion. Look at when it says to pause and to stop and the commas and read, the commas and read it with that, with that ump, amen? With that said, Danielle, could you read me the first three verses of Philippians 2, verses 1 through 3? No. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, doesn't it sound different? It does sound different, right? You can't just be like, if you have any encouragement about being united with, with Christ, read it again. Take two. Stop. You've been in love before, right? Would you just be like, <laughs> would you just be like, baby, I love you? Or would it be like, I love you, right? It would be man like, like really mushy, like, I love you, right? So wouldn't it be like being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, you know? You just went over love like if it was like a paver, just like, any comfort from his love. Like went over, like if that was too macho or something, like, could you put some... Could you just do that again for me? Just, come on. Thank you. It's any comfort. It's right there, any comfort from his love. All right, come on, let's try that again. See how important this is? Be more gusto between that joy. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. That's how I read the Bible. Go. I would fall asleep if I didn't. Yeah. Humility. Get back. Don't read it like a dirty. Don't read it like a dirty porn over there. Just, you know, I'm gonna leave the songs and albums alone. But just, I'm gonna leave that alone for today. Um, I'm just saying this. If you read everything it says there, at the bottom it gives you the key ingredient, the base of the recipe, which is humility. You following me? which is to be submissive. So it says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, you've got to use your theater voice if you want, you know. El ministerio de pantomima, you know what I'm talking about? If any comfort comes from his love, all right, I'm just kidding with you. If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. What does that mean? Make your mind like Christ. Are you like-minded with him in Christ? Why? 
You said it, so why? What does like-minded mean to you? You don't know. Take the word like. What does that mean? If my shirt is like your shirt, what does that mean? Oh, to be similar. So take the word like out and put similar with minded. Yeah. So do you think the same about God as he does? Why? You don't have his mind? Why don't you have his mind? But going somewhere with this, because you don't what? Because you don't what? Do you have her mind? Do you have a like-minded view of things with her in life? Why? Because you do what? Hang each out, hang out, know each other, talk, fellowship. So in order to be like-minded with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you need to communicate with them. He says the apostle writes to make his joy complete because he knows great thing is happening in, his, in that church. So make his joy complete by being like-minded, meaning to communicate with your brothers and sisters in Christ and to make sure you're in the same spiritual realm as them. What's the point of you growing in your spirit and him getting left behind? Isn't that your boy? Is that your boy? So why are you growing to Christ and maybe letting him get left behind? So is it really your boy? You jerk? I'm just <laughs> if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion that make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. What does that mean to be spirit and purpose as one? Same goal, same end game, and to be in the same spirit means to have the same worship vibe, the same the same love towards God's in your heart. What was that? The same unity. To feel the same about God as the person next to you. Amen. Um, when, you, when people come into our church as visitors, we want them to feel comfortable, right? Like family, right? So we try to make them feel like one of the friends, one of the people. Like they're in the in crowd. That we want them to be one in spirit. Amen. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in submissiveness. Consider others better than yourselves. Submissiveness meaning what? So by letting the leadership or people who are in authority of your life, your parents, your aunts, your uncles, by letting them give you guidance, directing them, staying under somebody's cover, because some of you, the moment you come out of God's covering, y'all are crazy people. And if you were in church, you'd know your life would be a total mess, and and, and as messy as it is right now, it would be multiplied by 50,000 if you weren't with God. Amen? So by staying under his covering, even if it's four days out of seven, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. That's why you need to reach out to your brothers. Don't look out just for your spiritual growth, but you got to look out for his. You get what I'm saying? It's like the Marines. No man gets left behind, but whatever but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Did Jesus have an attitude? He had a good one. It's okay to have an attitude. Put that on your, put that on your Facebook or something. Tell everybody you know. Pastor said I can have an attitude. <laughs> I don't even know what she said. Right now? Not right now. No, not right now. No, you could text them I and you were doing it anyways. I'm just kidding. I know I'm kidding. Come on. I'm just kidding. Taking notes. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. So, so <laughs> I'm just kidding, D. So it means, it means your attitude, meaning you should have an attitude. You shouldn't be just a lump and a log. Just uh, should be like that of Christ Jesus. Amen? He was submissive. He was, he, was, he was all types of things. And it says this. Now, speaking of Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So Jesus being God wrapped in human flesh, basically, still did not consider himself able to ever be equal to the Father. You following that? So what I'm trying to tell you about that is no matter how high and mighty you get in life, you should not think that you are better than anybody. 
Because Jesus, although he had the anointing, he was, he was God in the flesh almost, and, and he still did not think highly of himself. He went and still washed people's feet. He still went and did things. He walked miles preaching and saving people and, and forgiving people their sins and all types of things. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. That word right there, humbled, also means the same thing, submitted. So submissive, the word submitted, or submit, the word submissiveness is the word submit in action. So he submitted himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How did he do it? By staying humble, he was able to gain wisdom in God. By staying humble, he was able to have the fear of God. He was able to understand that he needed to stay in his Father's path. He needed all those things by staying humble, submitted to God. I know sometimes it's really hard to submit yourself to somebody's authority or let alone listen to your parents, let alone listen to your pastor or put some of the stuff I put into, in, in, into your spirits into action sometimes. It's hard to submit to the word you just received right now. I know that throughout this week you're going to have a still a struggle dealing with submitting to people. I could pretty much tell you that most of the people on Sunday will come to church late because they have a hard time submitting to a time frame in their life. Something so simple as being on time for church, it's horrible because we're not truly submitted to God. We love God so much. Do you love Yvette? You be showing up late for dates? Why? Because you be picking her up and stuff? Would she get mad at you as you was late? If you said to Yvette, Baby, I'm going to take you out. Get ready at 7 o'clock because daddy coming to get you. <laughs> Carmen's like, watch it there. Carmen, I have a question for you after church. I'm just kidding. And then showed up at like 9.45. Yvette, what would you say? Mommy would have locked the door. <laughs> would you be upset? Okay, what if you came at like, he said 7 o'clock, and he came at 7.45? Oh, but what if he didn't tell you? You'd be a little upset? How upset? When you got into the car, what would your first reaction be if he tried to give you like a hug and a kiss and hold your hand? Why were you late? You probably would hug him? What if it was like an hour late? Would you like, you know, just be so, so able to hop in like nothing ever happened? And he had, you said, why are you late? And he said, oh, I, I, I don't know. No, you'd be bothered. It might take you a little while to get over it. Ever, ever wonder why sometimes during praise and worship we got to push so hard? You come to church late, God's mad at you. And you're like, oh, I love you, Jesus. He's like, you off of me. I love you, all of my hope is in you. Get off of me. Why are you late? Jesus Christ, take my life. Take all of me. Get out my car. And you wonder why we got to sing so many songs sometimes just to get God's presence and move in the church because half of y'all was late. Whether it's a minute, two minutes, three minutes. I know some people don't even want to be a minute late. You get what I'm saying? And you wonder why sometimes you got to press so hard to get God to move in your life. If you're on time for God, he'll be on time for you. How do you do that? By staying humble and submitted to God and to the things that God has put in place in our church and the things around us. And you can get greatness in God. You can be honored by God when you humble yourself because you have fear of God. When you have fear of God, you're able to learn from God, which will give you wisdom. When you have wisdom, God will give you honor amongst men, which means you will move forward in ministry. You will move forward in your walk with God. You will move forward in everything. In your job, your finances, your relationships, God will give you honor. You'll be the person that everybody wants to talk to because you got it going. Because you know what you're talking about. Today I had a situation and I knew exactly who to call. Why? Because they're a person that God has honored. And they gave me great advice and I felt fine. You following me? Stand with me, please. Stand with me. 
Lord, would you have any announcements, Lori? She says she needs to see the people <clears throat> who know they need to see her. <clears throat> Friday service, yes, yes. Thank you, Lori, for, for reminding me about Friday's special service and our special, our special guest preacher that, that you forgot. We do have a special guest preacher. I ask you guys all come out. He's a fantastic preacher. I, I'm expecting an awesome, awesome move of God. I know that um, Melvin has, is the one who put us in contact with him and Randy. And um, they speak very, very high. I never personally heard him. I've heard his CDs and stuff, and he's got some powerful stuff. And, and get yourself here on time, 730, to be blessed by God. Amen? Drag somebody with you. It's not just a teen night. We're bringing the teens in, but it's to get everybody blessed by God. Amen? He is a Spanish preacher who will preach in English, which means he's going to be very, very just, like, passionate. So I'm excited to see how this guy is. Amen? Also, um, July 12th. Everybody say um, June 12th. Everybody say June 12th. Say June 12th again. Somebody say 11 a.m. I know some of you can't make it. Those of you who can make it, you better make it. Um, the only people who are excused as of this moment because they haven't even talked to me yet is the um, shop girls. It's a Saturday morning. I know you can't make it. But um, I've been ordained by Pastor Philip, but I'm getting consecrated by Bishop Thompson on June 12th at the yearly convocation of the royal priesthood. I know. It's uh, four hours before your ordination. Don't worry. Carmen's getting ordained that same day in Bethel. Is it New Britain? Waterbury. I, I, I think it's... She, you give it up for Carmen. <laughs> Carmen, uh, Brother Jose, which is... Unc She's so humble. She's like, go like this. Uncle Louie and, um, and uh, Melvin are all getting ordained as chaplains. They're taking the actual courses, and they've been in school for that for some time, and, and God is elevating them. We thank God for that. Amen. So mark that on your calendars. It's 11 a.m. Um, they're making me wear robes. They don't laugh at me, but I'm obedient. I didn't, no, it's going to be at Bishop Thompson's Church, Calvary Temple, 11 a.m. Amen? Come on, grab somebody's hand. And don't forget, if you have to see Lori, see Lori. Big breakfast. Thank you, Lori. Big breakfast on Sunday. <laughs> Throw her under the bus. <laughs> Big breakfast at 9.30 because the baptismal class is still at 10 o'clock for the, for the lagging behind people. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, we come into your presence, God, we ask you to continue to make us humble, God, that, that we would just continue to be submissive, God, to the authority that you've given us, God. God, that we be submissive to your authority, God, we'll be submissive to the house leadership, God, that we will, we will find ourselves expounded in our lives, God, and growing in our personal life because we've submitted to you and to the people you put over us, God. God, I ask that you would continue to work in us, God, any issues of pride and envy and sinfulness, God, that come from a lack of humility and submissiveness, God, that you would help us, God, that our prayer this weekend would be, God, that we would be submissive to you, God, that we would be humble, God, that you would give us humility, God, so we can be like Christ Jesus, God, that we can have a good attitude, Father God, and we can could take this word and put it in good soil tonight, Father God, as we leave this place, that we would not leave your presence, God. We, we ask you to just guide us home safely, Father God, and we give you all the honor and all the praise. And the people of God say, amen.